Hello, hello! We are back. As always, I am Dylan Shoup. I am Dylan Kiefer. And we are back for another week of Carpe Noctum, our third week. I gotta say, I wasn't entirely sure we'd make it this far. I think we're on the upswing now. It's all either uphill or downhill from here. It's yeah. either going to get way better or way worse. Well, hopefully better. Oh, I mean, hopefully better. I feel like, I feel like we're not good enough to already be getting worse. That's true. We actually had some talent yeah. when we started this to get worse. Yeah. Honestly, I thought it was going to be like a one-episode thing, like we would do, and then just wouldn't get back to whatever. I was afraid of that. Because, I mean, I know when I, when I said I wanted to do it, I wasn't like, one episode... I mean, I had it in my mind. I want I want this to be something I do every week. Because I, I listen to a few, or at least I subscribe to a few podcasts that they say, oh, it's a weekly podcast, but it's, you know, it's not like NPR or something. It's an amateur group. And then after, like, week three or four, it starts getting, like, every other week. And then they throw one in there a month later. And then you just kind of never hear from them again. <laughs> and i i don't want to I don't want to be that group. We're gonna make it to at least five. Yeah, at Let's least five. Let's do five episodes. But that does remind me. Maybe this is a bad thing, but uh, we are changing our schedule a little bit. Uh, from now on, our episodes will premiere Sunday night rather than Saturday night. Yeah, you know? so it actually works a lot better for me. It works better for other Dylan. Yes. So both yeah. Dylan's are in agreement. That's always good. The world is right. What are you drinking this week, Dylan? I am drinking the delicious Horny Toad Blonde uh, from Co-op Aleworks. It's Co-op Aleworks. I hate you. <laughs> it's actually it's a local company, isn't it? Yeah, Coop is yeah. local. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Great brewery. I am drinking a uh, sour saison from the New Belgium. Brewery out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Love Fort Collins. It is uh, a great town and a great brewery. So uh, I actually had a beer on oh what was it Wednesday at uh, Bricktown Brewery in the oh, one in Bricktown, and it was a uh, what was I don't remember, it, was, it was a blood orange sour. Oh, it was delicious. That sounds delicious. It was really really good. I'm sure it was. I think well, you would you probably would have enjoyed it. I really enjoyed oh I'm it. sure it was I real would've. sour too. Mm. It was a good sour. That well, sounds good. We'll have to hit that up sometime. Maybe Absolutely. We'll. All right, so uh, we're going to start off this week with, I guess, a little on the downside, I guess. Uh, the recent hurricane affecting the Carolinas right now. Um, so is it hitting it right now? I, th- I think it- right now it's mostly flooding. It's mostly just rain at this point. Okay. And some residual. So it's like the edges of the storm. Yeah, but, I mean, it's the flooding, because, so it was actually someone on CBS News yesterday explaining this. So, the uh, elevation gets lower towards the coast, and all the rain is, you know, all the way inland. It's like, it's going all the way into the state, how much rain there is. And so that downfall is all going towards Uh, the coast. In addition to the rain that's already there and the raising ra- raising sea level, rising sea level—that's the word. So it's not. It's there's a lot of flooding going on. That's really the big thing at this point. And uh, as of eight fifty-two Saturday night, most recent number is twelve dead. Oof. Yeah. Uh, still power failures and catastrophic flooding all around the states. 
both uh, Governors Cooper and McMaster have declared state emergencies. They did that before it even started, but they, uh, uh, yesterday, um, I want to say it was McMaster. He was being interviewed on NPR, and he was just talking about uh, all the all the work that is going to be going into the recovery. And it just, uh, I, I think, I was reminded of a Hurricane, was it Harvey, that hit Houston? I don't remember the name, but yeah, the one that hit Houston hit Houston hard. Houston, yeah, like- but I remember one of the most powerful things about what happened there, all that flooding, all that, all that horrible damage. There were people all over the country that, that went down there. And oh, helped. yeah. I don't remember his name, but it was one of the players for the uh, Houston Texans. He raised an obscene amount of money and yeah. resources. I remember I saw pictures, and there were semi-trucks driving the materials that people had just given him like without using any of the money. It was a warehouse full of just like water, Gatorade, food. Uh, and other things like I think it was like diapers and other stuff for families just like so so much so that was that was really heartening to see yeah it's 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 one of those things as horrible as these disasters are I think you know the the world we live in maybe the country we live in you know it's it's a time where people still as divided as we might seem we still come together when it counts the most, and I and I find that to be very powerful. As unfortunate as this is, though, um, it is it is sad in any case. But I think with all the horrible things that have happened in this country, from shootings and terrorist attacks to natural disasters, we always come together when it counts. So, no, I think that is true. Yeah, uh, it's it's just really unfortunate that it's something like this. It mm. takes us to start working together or stop seeing each other quite as an enemy, but as someone, a fellow American. It's always, yeah. and as soon as, you know, as soon as the disaster, you know, goes away and things start getting back to normal, we'll be right back at each other's throats again. Yeah, probably. So we never, it's safe to say. We never quite learn from our mistakes, I don't think. Maybe one day we will. Yeah, we need, we need more time, I guess. All right, so, Dylan. I've never done this before. Tell me about escape rooms. Escape rooms. Yes. So that's my topic. Escape rooms. I got to do my first escape room this Saturday. I'm a much happier, happier note. Uh, yes. Man, that was, that was really depressing just <laughs> talking about that for the few minutes. Yeah. I'm like real sad now. But no, so uh, one of my friends' birthday was this last weekend, and he really likes uh, like murder mysteries and like solving puzzles and that kind of stuff. So we all went to one of the local malls here and did an escape room that he'd been wanting to do for a while. So there was five of, yeah, five of us total, and the one that we did, the, the scenario was we had been on a plane, and the plane had been hijacked, and we'd been uh, basically kidnapped from the plane and handcuffed to like a bench with blindfolded. And we had to figure out a way to unlock the door, and there was like a, a numpad uh, on the door. We had to get the right combination. We had, I think, like... One, like two or three tries. No, I think we could try as many times on that. But there were like certain amounts or like certain keys and like other combinations. We only had a certain amount of tries to get. Otherwise, like we failed. Uh, so it was, actually, it was a lot of fun. It was way more fun than I thought. It was so the to give you a picture. We were in like a I don't know twelve by twelve squarish room, like dim lights and whatnot. We all got chained to a bench with handcuffs. Now, thankfully, the handcuffs they were all 
They were on the bench via magnets, so if something bad happened, we could just rip them off the bench, like, no problem, and walk out. So we were, we're never actually right. in danger. Because one of my fears is always, with these escape rooms, yeah. is always either, uh, and the door was unlocked the entire time, so if we ever wanted to just walk out, we could. Because uh, my fears with these escape rooms is always like, oh, haha, that's going to be a fun escape room when we go in there. Turns out to be real, and it's a real serial killer, <laughs> and no one ever sees this again. Oh, my God. So it's always been just kind of like yeah, a, a dumb fear of mine, but also thanks to like knowing about the Saw movies. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So I'm just waiting for that like news article to show up of, and people go into an escape room thinking it was a fun, enjoyable thing. Turns out it was real-life Saw. Like, oh. And that'll kill that industry immediately. Soon as that happens, probably. But so we all changed his desk, and we actually had we had magnets on the de- on the bench and little slots so we had to find like keys and like pull them out of the slots and unlock our chains. Uh, and then there was some there were clues around the room we kind of figured out. Uh, so like one of them, like we had a light switch and like had to turn on all the lights. And uh, there was a picture on the wall that like the, the numbers lit up. It was really intricate. Even one of them, like we unlocked a safe and we got an iPad. And uh, we figured out we had to point this iPad at, like, certain news articles that were posted around the wall, like news clippings. And the iPad actually, like, read the newspaper and displayed a number on each individual newspaper. Oh. For, like, for the code that we needed. And then they had an iPhone where we had to take a picture with a flash on, like, a a blank, like, potato sack canvas. And it, like, had a message for us of, like, which, uh, which lock to unlock with this code. So it was really, really well done. It took us... We escaped... But I think a minute and 15 seconds left. How much time did you have in this one hour? One hour? We had one hour. It was, it was a lot of fun, honestly. Yeah. I, if, you, if, you ever, if you ever thought about doing an escape room, I would, I would recommend it. Make sure you get like a good one, though. So one of my friends was telling us about one that was, in, that was kind of cheap. And like everything was like kind of slightly broken. It wasn't, it wasn't that great. Oh. No, the one we went to, it was uh, $25 a person. It's not too bad. So for the group of five of us. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a great group group thing to do. My thing with escape rooms has always been that hour limit. Like, if I if we're not done in an hour, I still want to keep trying. Yeah. But but you can't, right? You no, know? like you're you're done. Like they have other people coming in. So. Like I hate that. Like I want I want to figure it out. Like I think they'll tell you at the end, which is kind of. Because that's the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I want to like pay more money, just like keep going, so we can figure it all out. Yeah. But I think that that's also part of the thrill is like because there's a giant clock on the wall, like counting down. And it was like every once in a while, the guy because there's a guy watching us, like make sure like everything was working out right. If like for some reason a code wasn't working, he'd come and like fix it or whatnot. Every few minutes, he's like five minutes remaining. You know, like three minutes remaining. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna hurry. And so the time pressure actually made it a lot more fun because you had to like be as fast as you possibly could. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that that's true. But on the oh. other hand, it's like so. In theory, you pay twenty five dollars for an hour. Mm-hmm. But then if you if you beat it so early, it's almost like you paid twenty five dollars for like a half hour of fun if you beat it in a half hour. It almost yeah. it almost seems like the value can change depending on how long it takes. Well, I don't think that's the value. I don't think time value. It's it's how much fun did you have, and did you have fun? With, and did you have fun with your friends? Yeah. But then there's also like, hey, this room is supposed to take us an hour, and we beat it in thirty minutes. So yeah. it's also like it's also an accomplishment. Kind I, of thing. I blocked out that amount of time for this this event this evening. I don't. 
I don't want to be heading home after a half hour. I mean, if you have that habit, it's like, oh, because we were in a mall, so like we finished right. early. We go get food or like, you know, afterwards we actually went to a, uh, a beer garden just to just to hang out and grab some food. Which one? Uh, Blue Garden. Oh yeah. Yeah, his wife worked there, so it was it was a lot of fun. I really, I really enjoyed it. I'd recommend it if anyone is uh, up for a fun group party time. Escape rooms are where it's at. Well, I, I will consider it. I'm I still don't know. They had some other cool ones. So that wasn't the only situation. The other situations, uh, there was an island escape one. Uh, there was another kidnapping one. Don't remember what the other one, but they had five or six different ones. And if they're made as well as that one was. I definitely want to go back and do it. Yeah, because that was really, really well done. I guess, I guess I just have never sought out an opportunity. So I, had, like, I had friends that had done them. They're like, "Oh, it's so much fun! It's so much fun!" And I was also kind of hesitant because I was like, "Yeah, it does," but yeah, I don't know. It sounds like it could be really lame too if it if it's not done well. Yeah, that's which definitely all, true. Yeah, which also worried me. Yeah, no, I'm glad I did. I'd go. I'd go back to this one. Yeah. All for right. Sure, for sure. Oh well, that reminds me of another question. If you go back, is it always is it going to be the same scenario? Yes. Well, you can. So the way it works, they have five or six different rooms you can do, and like you reserve a slot, so you, so you, you don't always have you won't you'll never do the same room twice unless you want to. And they probably, I would assume that they mix them up every once in a while, like every year, you know, rotate a room out or rotate a new one in, yeah, so that people will keep coming back to that place. Because you just yeah, have the same six so. rooms the whole time you're open. I mean, yeah. You lose customers quite quickly because it's, oh, you know, same we would come thing. back, but we've already done all your rooms. Right. So I just, I'd imagine that they rotate rooms, you know, every, probably every year or so. Because you have five, five to six rooms and people come two, three times that year. That That's still, they've only done, you know, three of the six rooms. So I... I enjoy it. I will definitely try to go back with my friend if he ever wants to go. You just got to find five to six people to do it. So you can't just do it like a couple people. You can, but I, it's it's cheaper the fewer people you have. Oh, okay. Kind of one of those like group rates. So if you have two people, it's gonna cost more. But oh, yeah, you have six like people. Like top golf. Yeah, like top golf. Like the more people you have, the cheaper it is for you because you're you're all splitting the cost between you. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Changing, changing up gears here. Do you know who Edwin Stanton is? No idea. No, I wouldn't expect it. No idea who that is. Uh, odds are, if you if you're not a high school history teacher, you probably don't know who he is. <laughs> but I'm not. Yeah, he is uh, an American lawyer and politician. Um, served as the Secretary of War under Abraham Lincoln, but. He then was carried over into the Andrew Johnson administration, also as the Secretary of War. And I bring him up because uh, in the Wall Street Journal this past week, they made a comparison between Edwin Stanton and the author of the anonymous op-ed in the New York Times. What? So... Wait, it's, what? So Edwin Stanton was pretty famous for being a, my words, a sadistic schmoozer. <laughs> he, I mean, he uh, was as two-faced as they, as they come, and he was 
openly defying and resisting uh, President Johnson. And as President Johnson tried to sack him, that actually is a big reason, that's a big thing uh, that led to the first presidential impeachment in American history, President Andrew Johnson, because a bunch of like radical Republicans at the time came to Stanton's defense and they voted to impeach the president at the time. The reason I bring this up, though, is because in this, this article, this opinion article, they made these comparisons between Stanton, who absolutely, to his face, adored President Johnson and supported everything he did and cheered him on, but then would go behind his back and try to undermine him. And this is potentially what the anonymous op-ed author is doing. Because he's, I mean, in the, in the op-ed, he said himself that he lies to the president all the time because he doesn't want to be found out as someone that he's someone who's trying to undermine his agenda. So um, it would make sense then, the author of the opinion article in the Wall Street Journal, that just as Stanton was one of President Johnson's greatest admirers, potentially this op-ed writer is one of President Trump's greatest admirers. Because they are openly resisting the president in a very not-so-open way. <laughs> this is bizarre. What do you, why? Is, what are your thoughts? Know, this, this is just <laughs> weird. So, okay. So in the op-ed, he's saying... So cur- our current president, yes? yes. So this is happening today. Yes. He's like Trump. We love you. Like you're the best. You're the greatest. And then behind his back, he's I'm gonna take you down. Well, or possibly. 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 We don't know. I so, mean, we we know that he is at least lying to Trump because he hasn't been found out yet, and he's senior enough, supposedly, according to the New York Times, that he at least has access to the president, and regularly interacts with the president. If he's that senior, he would. But uh, behind his back, he's writing an anonymous op-ed saying our president, our president's a buffoon. So he hasn't been found out yet. So clearly he is lying to some extent. Whether or not he's a full-blown schmoozer like Edwin Stanton was to President Johnson, we don't know. But that is what the opinion article author is opining. That is what he is is suggesting as a possibility. That um, if we're, or at least when I say we, if news news outlets, the only people who have time for this nonsense, if they're going to try and narrow it down, maybe they can start with someone who is very much otherwise a supporter of Trump. I, w- I was going to say, say you did an op-ed that you pretend that you're a big fan of Trump and have access to the president... Seems like it really narrows down the field. Well, that's the thing. Of that, people you could yeah. be. That's why there there have been a number of graphics that like CNN and MSNBC have been using that like here's the list of probables. Here's who it probably is, and who here's who it more than likely is. And and I mean I mean there are people saying that it's put it's possibly Vice President Pence. You know, as, as, <laughs> if, which, if it's Pence, yeah. I would. I think I would love that. That would be hilarious. That would be incredible. That would be great. I think if that would it change. Was, yeah, 
a lot. I don't know why. That would, I mean, it would, it would make me almost want to support him usurping the White that's House. That's <laughs> really, really funny. Yes. Uh, I, that, I, he's, I think he's one of the reasons that people are slightly afraid to impeach Trump. Definitely, definitely some liberals. I mean, uh, I don't know where Omarosa stands on this currently, but uh, whenever she was first starting to become anti-Trump and going on this tirade against the, the White House um, and against Trump specifically, she was saying that President Pence would be so much worse than President Trump. I wonder if they think that now. I'm, I'm very curious to know if they, if they think that or not. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I could really say. It's one of those things where I don't think anyone knows. It's too. It's way too out there to be like. Oh yeah, he'll do you know this, this, and this. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he could be great. Maybe he could be terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I try not to speculate on things that probably aren't going to come to pass. So. Yeah, I try not. I try not to think. Oh, it's likely we'll find out because something many people, many uh, liberal pundits seem to forget is that we are dealing with Donald Trump here. I mean. This is a guy every step of the way people are saying, he's not going to win, he's not going to win, he's not going to win, and then he won. Oh, well, this is going to be the thing to get him impeached. This is going to be the thing to get him impeached. Well, he still hasn't been impeached. There's very, very little, practically no reason to think that uh, Robert Mueller is onto something. I keep every, thinking about that every day. Like, I think everything, I think everything that he is doing is has nothing to do directly with Trump. And even if Trump was involved, I don't think he's going to be able to tie yeah, anything. Yeah. I think almost every week, I feel like I see a new, yeah. a new headline. Of, this yeah. is this is the bullet Mueller's going to finally. Get that. I stopped yeah. listening to those months ago. Yeah. Like I about like the fiftieth time. Went sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. Good luck with good that. luck with that. Yeah. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah, I swear no. it is every single like week you see something new on the Mueller case. I'm like, I don't care anymore. There's probably not anything there worth even talking about anymore. Yeah, I don't know. That's that is weird. I'm I'm excited to see if they do find out who who wrote that op-ed. I I, I hope they do. I will, I think they will because that has to that list has to be pretty dang short. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If it if he is as senior as the New York Times claims him to be, it should be. But that was one of the things a lot of conservative pundits are saying, is that the New York Times very much could be either overstating how senior he is, or, I don't necessarily believe this, but they wrote it themselves. That is what I was wondering. Anything, anytime yeah. it's like an op-ed of, ooh, I'm really close to the president, and here's a thing for me. I'm like, you don't know who I am, and yeah. you can't confirm it. No one else can, but take my word for it. Take this one editor's word for it. Oh, yeah, this editor hates Trump, but just take our word for it. Yeah, especially you know. with a, a paper like New York Times, which yeah. I'm assuming probably hates Trump. Yes, I mean, they did it, officially endorse Hillary. That's true. Now, the, of course, they, they claim to be... Very moderate, but and and I, you know, I'm a New York Times subscriber. I enjoy reading it. And I think there's some great reporting there, and I love reading the opinion section and everything. Even though I disagree with about eighty percent of what is written in the opinion section, I still I still like reading it and engaging with it. But like there are times, like this past week, um, I don't know if you saw, there was an article about some curtains inside of the U.S. 
ambassador to the UN, her the apartment that they use, um, there were some curtains in there that cost $55,000. And the article, the headline and the picture that they used suggested that it was Trump and current UN ambassador Nikki Haley who uh, purchased those. And it wasn't. This it, is for a current facility that they're using? Yes, the apartment. Those are probably... I was going to say, those were probably purchased a long time They were purchased by Obama in 2016. There you go. Yeah. But, and if you read the article, you would know that. But the thing is, especially in this age, it, it didn't say, it didn't really specify that at the beginning. And if you saw it on social media, the headline and the picture being used made it sound like it was all Nikki Haley. See? And they did issue, you know, a correction, but it was after... I mean, that, people saw it immediately and they were like, this is not correct. But it took them hours to correct it and it shouldn't have been something that got out of the newsroom no, in the first place. No, it's that's that's super clickbait. That's so I clickbait it's becoming to the point where like even, you know, places like New York Times, places like that, it's starting to get clickbaity titles. Unfortunately. Which is really unfortunate because yeah. you get did you look at the time like, snapshot of, you know, Blah 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 blah, and it turns out the article is something completely different. It has nothing even to do yeah. with that article, with that title, or it doesn't even address that at all. Yeah, there's a subreddit I I link to called uh, "Save You a Click," and all it does. Is, oh yeah, have you seen it? I see. I've seen the tweets. It's probably nowhere as extensive as the Reddit. I don't even know if it, no. the account still tweets, but and in the subreddit, what they do is they take the title of a of a clickbaity article and tell you in the same sentence what the article actually said. And some of them are just absolutely absurd. Like this one. Firefighters rescue a litter of puppies only to realize there's something completely different. They're puppies. I, like, Wait. What? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> what? After rumors of their marriage is on the rocks, Keith Urban and Nick, Nicoler Kidman have made a huge Nicole decision. Nicole Kidman. They spelled their name wrong. Oh my god, really? Yeah, they spelled their name wrong. Make a huge decision. They decided to stay together. Wow. Like... It's that's a huge honestly. Decision. Oh, uh, this one uh, is Kim Kardashian actually studying law school? No. Wow. Why are these articles? And so because people will click on them. I hate it. Well, and, and that's the thing. That's what's so funny. It's it's almost like a chicken and egg kind of thing. Is because as the the news, the way we consume news has changed, it's gone from having ad dollars in a paper to having ad dollars online and then so you need to get people you need to get web traffic to the website well now so many people also use ad blockers and even for those people that do pay for subscriptions they either find a way to get a discounted rate or they only pay for a digital subscription which is usually a lot less than a print subscription so there's all these so in order for them to then get the web traffic, they might need to start using some clickbaity headlines. So then once they start making clickbaity headlines, more people start reading them. So then they make more clickbaity headlines, and then it just like starts to go down this funnel and where every news outlet just becomes garbage. It is true. I will say some of these clickbaity articles, I would be more intrigued to read if they actually stated the real purpose of the article. Okay. Uh... But most of them know. Like this one. This is one of the worst ones I've seen. Oh, God. Uh, I saved $100,000 on just a $30,000 salary. Here are my five money, t- my five money saving tips. Real uh-huh. article? 
she received a large inheritance. Yes, I love those. Oh. I love those articles. Mm. Oh, uh, like this one. This is the, a great one. Yeah. How Hillary Clinton still can and should become president after the Trump-Russia investigation. Whole article, this is what just happened. Trump resigns. Pence resigns. Speaker Paul Ryan becomes president. Appoints Clinton VP, then resigns as well. Yeah. <laughs> like... Good luck with that. Oh my goodness! Like, there's no one. There's no way that that list no. of events is ever going to happen. No, never. But yeah, it's just. And what's funny is that it would have to happen this year too, oh. because Paul Ryan's resigning too, oh, so he wouldn't even be the person. This one's also right. Bisexual doesn't mean what you think it means. In the article, actual article, it means attracted to both genders. Exactly what people most most people thought it meant. Like. <laughs> Ah. Oh, jeez. Well, such is the way... It's just... ...that the internet works now. But that's oh. the thing. I mean, people people need to read past the headlines. They and really that, do. That's not something that that necessarily journalists can make happen. No, it's really unfortunate. BuzzFeed's one of the worst culprits. Oh, ones. definitely. Uh, here's another great one. Uh, Lindsay oh Lohan's back, and she looks completely different. And there's like a picture of a person. Actual article? That's not her at all. Wait. So, so they, is they, Lindsay they, Lohan? No, no one. No one knows. No one cares. There's just a picture of another celebrity, and like, oh, Lindsay Lohan looks completely different. That's not her. Oh my god. There's also another uh, subreddit called how oh, is it? It's clickbait or clickhole, or and it's yes. you go to it and it's either it's a it's a strange title, right? Of like, ooh, choose these five things and we'll tell like your favorite. Uh, type of peanut butter is going to tell you what kind of person you're going to marry and it's either a BuzzFeed article or the satire of BuzzFeed called yeah, Clickhole Clickhole some and you can't was, tell the some difference some of them are really hard to tell the difference that's so I'll funny. be honest some of them are complete satire and you're like that's that's probably not real and you click on oh like, my no that's real oh jeez uh, I'm like I think one of them was like uh, your favorite Disney princess will tell a lot about your sex life like, oh, there's no way that's real it's real Pretty sure it was real. Oh, God. Or it might not have been. I don't remember. I think I actually just made that one up. But you don't know. Oh, I hate you. All right, we're moving on from this before we just get sucked down the, the funnel. The click hole? Yeah. Uh, all right. It's reasons like this that I drink. <laughs> what? This is like the only time in the week you drink? Yeah, this podcast, When we make actually, this podcast. Is, <laughs> this podcast is one of the reasons that I drink. Oh, God. Yeah, me too. I haven't had a drink since last week, so... But this is good. It's important. Anyway, yes. so so you uh, you recently have been looking at furniture. I am moving tomorrow, and I will be getting some furniture in the near future. Furniture is furniture buying is extensive if you want to do it right, and if you want to do it half right, no matter what, it's still pretty expensive. It's really expensive. So I'm in need of a TV stand. It's nothing like nothing crazy. Yes, I have been I have been wanting you to get a TV stand since you moved into this apartment because <laughs> your TV just sits on the floor. It's just sitting on carpet right now. It's so I don't know why it irritates me. I don't even live here, but it just gets to me. Yeah. But I might have a, I might have a thing. Oh, good. Yeah, how to get one? All right, Not too, like fifty bucks. Might need your help on Tuesday. Oh my god, just buy a new one. No. Oh it's so expensive. You make good money. I do. I don't want to spend it on this, though. Oh Even with my good money. Whatever. These are, like, over, over my pay raise. So, today, I'm going to be productive. I'm going to go look for some uh, 
look look for some you know some TV stands. Visited Target to see you know what Target might have. Right. Their cheapest one was like hundred and fifty dollars. It was like eh, like not the greatest. I was like, eh, I don't really want to spend hundred fifty dollars on something that's not you know the greatest. Checked out Walmart because I had some other errands run, so I had to go to both anyways. Uh, again, like one or two. I think their cheapest one was hundred and eighty dollars. Man, like, all right. And I was like, ah, on a whim, I live close to an Ashley Furniture. I was like, I'm gonna go check out Ashley Furniture. Oh, that's as always soon a as mistake. I walked in. Yeah, I felt like I should just leave. Yeah, I could tell I did not belong there. This is for like, yeah. rich people. Unfortunately, there was a guy sitting. Yeah, like, those salespeople yes. right up front. They get on you right when you walk in that exactly. door. Exactly. And I was like, I don't know if I want to be here. Before that thought yeah. could finish in my mind, I have. Hi, welcome to Ashley Furniture. Hello. What are you looking for today? And I, he got me. And I yeah. Was, TV stands. Yeah. Should not have said anything. She yeah. just walked out. He said, oh, cool. You want me to show you around? Not thinking properly. I said, yeah, sure. Oh, show geez. me these TV stands. Yeah, you're gone was, now. Oh, you're- <laughs> it, was a, it was an adventure, let me tell you. As I was walking around the store, the first thing that comes to you is, oh, here's a very nice TV stand right here. I went, they were very nice TV stands. Look sure. at the price tag. $500. Sure. Oh. Yeah, I was in the wrong spot. Did it have, per chance, a discount if you bought like a whole set? If I bought a whole set, probably. But that also would probably push it like two yeah. thousand thousands of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> which at that point, I might as well just sell everything I own. Well, to afford this. Well, let's be honest though. Your your mattress is on the ground in in your bedroom, so it is. Maybe you should have bought a set of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually looking at getting a box mattress, so good. Uh, but yeah, I remember walking around like they were, like I will say they were nice TV stands. Like, yeah, they were yeah, really yeah. nice. If I could have them, I would. But I think the cheapest one in there is like four hundred dollars. Okay, well let, is... let's let's clarify that you could have them. You could have them if I really you just won't have to, them if I really wanted to. I could, I could afford them, but I am cheap. Yes, and you are. I, well, I will say, like, I, I make a decent, I make a pretty good salary. Mm-hmm. Better than like seventy-five percent of people straight out of college. I'm making more money than them. I have a degree in mechanical engineering. So let, let me do that. Yeah, disclaimer. Sure. Uh, but even with that salary, I would be. It would my bank account would take a, a significant hit. Oh my god! If I bought one of those pieces of furniture. Yeah, but think of it like this: when you buy that furniture, it's not something you you keep for a couple years of college when you're in an apartment on campus. I mean, it's something you keep for years, and you know, sometime down the road, you might upgrade. But. It's not. It's not supposed to be like a cheap piece of furniture, in my in my opinion. I, I mean, we're at that point where sure we're not necessarily in a position to buy top of the line, but I. I mean, when I upgraded some furniture, when me and my then girlfriend moved into a new apartment, I mean, we we bought solid wood dresser, desk, two bookshelves because we like had it in our minds that whether we stayed together or not. These were going to be things we'd want to keep. And if we were to separate, split them up accordingly. But, like, we had it in our minds where it wouldn't be something we'd throw out at the end of senior year. So I just think you should be open to the idea of in- investing in something. Not not just throwing away money 
on a TV stand, but investing in it. I don't know. It's just one of those things. I'm I'm kind of cheap. Yeah. Let's go around the let's go around my apartment real, real quick and let you know how cheap it is. Oh god! The table we're currently sitting at, I got for free because it was my grandma's. I, all I had to do is go pick it up. Uh, it's mine. It comes with a fork. It's actually really nice. Uh, Dylan, like Dylan, sure. Is yeah. my is my dead grandmother's table <laughs> nice? Yes. Thank you. Uh, I have a really cool coffee table that does that the thing where the the top springs up and turns into an actual table I can eat off of. Yes. I got that off from a friend who didn't want it anymore for $150. He originally paid $300 for it. It's the most expensive piece of furniture I own. Yes. My sectional couch I got for free. I just had to ship it to my apartment and bought a bunch of blankets to cover it. Yeah. It cost me about $90. We should definitely note that. The the blanket isn't even covered with furniture covers. It's just covered with blankets. They're super soft because I don't plan to keep that couch. But But that that right there is what I'm talking about. You could have bought a real couch... Invested in a nice couch, and you wouldn't have to worry about throwing it out when you move or something. Please don't tell me that's following you. That you're no, that's, that is good. Exactly, you could have just gotten a nice couch, whatever. No, well, also the thing, other thing is, first apartment. I don't know how long I'm gonna stay here. I don't know. Yeah. My life's kind of in the air right now. All in the air. But so I, I, I could have bought like a really nice sectional cover for it. Sectional covers cost like ninety dollars though. So instead of that, I spent $90 on three really nice blankets that I can keep with me when I throw away the couch. You technically could have kept the sectional cover as well. Yeah, but why would I want that if I'm going to buy a really nice couch next time? So when that one wears out, you can just throw the cover on it. At that point, it'll be 20 years down the road. I'll be making way too much money. I'll throw that couch out and die a new one. Well, at least we'll uh, get there eventually. My really nice computer setup, which I did spend a lot of money on because that's the kind of stuff I like to invest in, is a... Picnic table. Plastic picnic table that I picked up for 20 bucks. Oh my god. At Target. So that's the guy you're trying to convince to spend 400 plus dollars on a TV stand. Well, I uh, also live in the third story. I won't, I won't necessarily say, oh yeah, you should spend $400 at Ashley Furniture. Ikea has some great options that are solid wood that aren't that much. And then of course... I don't know what is there now, but when I was looking at TV stands in the not-so-distant past, I did look at Target, and there were some nice options for less than 150 at the time. Okay, there weren't in there for less than 150 when I saw it. I, I do plan on getting nice things eventually one day. I'm just kind of slowly making my way there with other things that I'm trying to, to get at the, at the moment. Well, either way, you and I can't agree... Furniture is expensive. Furniture is really expensive. Yeah. And it's, it's Especially if you want something on the nicer yeah. side. You can get, you know, press board veneer garbage at Walmart. You you know, they have bookshelves there for 20 bucks that fall apart after a couple of years. And if you want to keep replacing them, I guess you can do that. Or you can start building your own, actually, plan, which is what or I plan that. to do. I plan to build my own computer desk. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the patience for that. See, that's the kind of stuff I like to do. I mean, my, my you know, my IKEA uh, bookshelf is a solid pine, um, hundred and fifty bucks. But it, you know, it's a very beautiful bookshelf, and it's gonna last me. There's no reason it shouldn't last me for at least ten to twenty years. And my bookshelf I got over there, free. Just had to go pick it up. Is that the one I gave you? No, you haven't given me one yet. Oh yeah. You still owe me a bookshelf. You said you were going to. You know what? Shots. No, I, if I remember, actually, I 
I I think I just decided to give it to someone <laughs> because they were helping me move. So I was like, fine, just take it. I'm sorry. That it I, wasn't that, the timing didn't work out for when you helped me. I'm sorry for the other four times I oh helped you move. Oh my god! All yeah, right. this was the one time I shouldn't have said it. All right, we're I gonna move on. To, and so I missed out. We're on gonna move on, which I need because mine is overflowing with books at the moment. All right, we're moving on. Tell me, about, <sighs> tell me about Serena Williams. You're the worst. Tell me about Serena Williams, no, Dylan. Changing my worst of the oh week. It's time for the worst of the week. Worst of the week, Dylan shoot. <laughs> Just in general. The worst. All right. Well, I can get behind that. All right. So, it is time. It is that time of the night for worst of the week and best of the week. Mine kind of go hand in hand. My worst of the week this week is if you were keeping up with sports all this week, a big thing happened where Serena Williams lost to 20-year-old Naomi Osaka. I believe that's how how you pronounce her name. Yeah. But it wasn't quite the fact that she lost. It was the tirade that Serena Williams went on yes. when given a penalty. So the, the original penalty, the, the official called out Serena Williams' coach, who was sitting in the stands, saying that she, he was giving her hand signals and trying to coach. Uh, which is, if for those of you who don't know much about tennis rules, you can't. The, once the match starts, or the match is in play, the coach can't say anything or do anything or try to help the, the, the athletes. And so he, she was giving uh, a penalty for warning, to which at one point she just goes off on the referee yeah. and ends up losing or being given uh, another penalty, which ends up, and she ends up losing the match. She actually lost 6-4 uh, and 6-2. And at the end she was like, no, he wasn't coaching. Obviously he wasn't coaching. That was a, that was a stupid rule. That was a sexist thing they did interviewing the coach and he goes oh no absolutely I was trying to coach her I don't know if she saw it or not but no I was definitely coaching her which the, of course the internet blew up about this yes. and I was like oh you know that was me he was sexist for doing that because then you know everyone does that it's like well even if everyone does that they're not supposed to do that so he got caught I agree that should be appealing sexism it's a it's the female part of the open Naomi Osaki is a female so I don't know the, the the sexism because I mean yeah I I didn't I didn't follow this too closely I saw a bunch of stuff about it on Twitter I didn't follow it too closely all, all I know is that I saw a lot a lot of of polar opposite comments on it I, I pretty much no middle ground it was all oh this guy was a sexist racist and just hates Serena Williams on the other side well of course. Just because she's Serena Williams, she's not immune to uh, penalties whenever she breaks the rules. And then, of course, her her tirade is inexcusable. You know, I and I I've just decided I didn't want to form an opinion mm. on it. But it doesn't sound like anyone's a hero. In no, that. no, <laughs> except for I would say Naomi Osaki. I think. Yeah. Be. But here's the the worst part of this is uh, so Serena. Like she lost pretty handily, like six four six two. So I think uh, most people, I think, kind of saw that it was coming. That she was going to lose anyway. But when Naomi Osaki won, the c- entire crowd started to boo her yeah. for winning. Yeah, like that's terrible. Yeah, that's such a terrible thing. And this isn't the only time that Serena has gone off. So at two no, thousand nine, she threatened to shove a ball down the expletive throat of a lineswoman who called it out. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and she did it uh, another time before as well. So, 
she kind of has a reputation of doing this. Yeah, she's she's kind of a hothead. I mean, uh, and it was also really funny. So CNN did a uh, a piece where they t- said what happened, and like Serena said that you know this never happens to any other athletes. To which they proceeded to write half an article about all the other times it's yeah. happened to other athletes. Yeah. So I think Serena is just completely unfounded, and she tried to one of her things that she did was, "I'm out here fighting for." Women's rioting yes. and I'm a mother now. Yeah. So no, like you, you no correlation, no, no correlation whatsoever. <laughs> I don't think you're doing. Like, yeah. Like I, I think, you know, prior to this, you might have been, you know, a good role model for, uh, for people to look up to. You. Like, hey, you know, like she's a fantastic tennis player. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, though, I don't know. So have you? What is it? The movie. Uh, I think it's like Battle of the Sexes. Yes, with Steve Carell and Emma Stone, yes. So that basically had happened to Serena Williams, where uh, it was within... They said they could beat anyone within... Oh, the top 200 men. And then, I don't remember who it was, but he was like... He was ranked towards the bottom of the 200th. And he just... He beat their Williams sisters. Like, just, like, handedly beat them. Yeah. Uh, Which I thought was kind of funny, but... Yeah. But no, but on the on the flip side, which really so this whole thing, unfortunately, kind of overshadowed Naomi Osaki, the first Japanese female to win yes. the U.S. Open. Yeah, I uh, heard that. Yeah, yeah so she's that. half Japanese, half Haitian. I believe her father's Haitian. Uh, so I mean, she beat Serena Williams, her idol that she said growing up as yeah. a twenty-year-old to win the U.S. Open. That's a, yeah. that's an incredible feat. That really is impressive, and the whole thing was overshadowed by Serena Williams. Just going on a going tantrum. on a tantrum tirade and breaking her racket. Yeah. But on the good side, so this is my best. Uh, following this win, Naomi Osaki signs the biggest Adidas deal in history for a female athlete. It's like eight point five million dollars a year. So good on her. Like she came out. On she top. came out on top. She she won. She won and got a, a nice contract. Yeah, she won her US. She won U.S. Open and. Uh, Got a pretty nice fat chunk yeah. from Adidas. So good, so good, good, good on for her. her. Yeah. And from from what I can see uh, from the article, she seems actually like a very genuine person. Like she was very kind. She didn't, you know, yell back at Serena or say anything bad. She's like, it's you know, it's all yeah. right. It's, it's calm down. So I props to her. Yeah. She she I think she, if she's gonna be the new face of women's tennis, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I can I can get behind her. If there's something to take away from this, I guess that that might be it. Yeah. Good on her. Good on her. Well, my best of the week. I just thought of this um, right before we started this show. Do you have a worst I, of the week? I do. I'm gonna start with this. But let's end with best. Or does this need to pre- 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 preface this? Uh, well, no. But the, I feel like the worst is better. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, we talked, you mentioned it last week. So there was that, that horrible incident in Dallas where a, police, a, woman, a female police officer entered an apartment thinking it was her own and shot a black male thinking he was an intruder. We talked about it last week. Was he black? He was black. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it was an injustice. She, At the very least, it's manslaughter. I think she's facing manslaughter charges. I'm thinking she might get off. I hope she doesn't, but... Uh, either way, right now she is, you know, under arrest. And and this uh, this past week, um, on the thirteenth, a 
Fox News station in Texas, I, I think in the Dallas area, uh, reported that a search warrant revealed that there was marijuana in um, this gentleman's apartment. <laughs> yes. How is that relevant? I don't know. No. Uh, and I guess a lot of other people questioned the relevance. Yeah. Because, so, I, I'm i glad, in 2018, I'm glad we're, we're at a point where, regardless of whether or not you are anti or pro-marijuana, you can look at this headline and say, that's inappropriate. That, that, that has nothing to do that with That has nothing to do all. with it. So, it would be one thing if it was, you know, an entire coke operation in his back room. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's sketchy. I, it's, absolutely, it's sketchy. I kind of take the point where, like, it doesn't matter if he was the biggest drug dealer in the country. If someone walked no. into his private property and shot him just it's because true. it was a police... I mean, there is something called the Fourth Amendment. But, so... On Twitter, there is this term called getting getting ratioed. Um, do you know what that means? So I don't get on Twitter much. yeah, I know. So uh, so essentially, what normally happens? Someone says someone tweets something so ridiculous and stupid that the number of retweets and favorites or likes now um, is so small compared to the number of replies. Because most of the people replying are, this is stupid, that's dumb, you're so wrong about this, or, okay. you know. Now, obviously not all of those responses are going to be negative, but, like, you know, that's just yeah. the and And perhaps one of the greatest ratios was this tweet coming from Fox 4 News in Dallas. As it as it as they tweeted, marijuana found in, in Botham Jean's apartment after a deadly shooting. As of this moment, the... Uh, Ratio is 1.7 thousand retweets, 3.7 thousand likes, and over 44,000 wow. replies. And That's I a lot. that is my best of the week because I feel like in this in this tumultuous political time, there are liberals, conservatives, libertarians, Green Party. We're all coming together to say that this is a stupid story. And that this man's marijuana possession has nothing no. to do with a police officer illegally entering his apartment no. and murdering him. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, and, I mean, and it gives me just a little bit of faith. You know, it's no, just like that's, this that's is one good. of those dumbest. That's really, really yeah. dumb. Oh, he had marijuana in his house. It has nothing to do at all. Absolutely nothing with with what happened. Absolutely nothing. Uh, and if, if this story had had gone back and like, oh, she turns out she walked into a coke deal going on in the apartment. And they pulled guns on they her. They pulled guns on her. That would be a different like, oh, story. I mean, you know, a little different. Either way, kind of different. she was trespassing, but like, well, I will, I the defense would be different. Like, I will say this. It is very easy sometimes, especially in like a large com- apartment complex, to mistakenly go to the wrong apartment. I've, like, I've tried to unlock my uh, downstairs neighbor's door. Have you really? I have. Because I hear, I've, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, I've worked, you know, 20-hour shifts. I've gone home and never once mistake my, mistaken my apartment. I have. Just because I've had other things on my line. I haven't been paying. I also live in the third floor, so I have to walk a little more. Right. But I'm. it's not, I doubt it's that of a common thing of, like, just kind of walking. Yeah. And then you just kind of go on autopilot. You don't realize, oh, I didn't go up the third flight of stairs. Because I've, I've, I've tried my lock. I'm like, Why is my lock working? I look up. Right. Like, that's oh, that, I'm on the wrong floor. That should and then be I'll the thing to on. do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I will say it. What it, makes this worse is that she she well, does I, keep changing her story though. I mean, you know, originally, oh, she did try her key. Oh, well, she didn't. Oh, well, she just went straight in. Like that's no the only the only thing I'm giving her a slight bit of credence on is like, oh, I went to the like I went to the front door of the wrong apartment, and that's where it ends. Anything else besides behind her going in and then shooting someone, anything. The fact that she took a couple steps and then ended in in the front door of someone else's apartment. That's the yeah. only credence I'll give her on that. Yeah. Because I've done that. But then I've realized, oh, I'm at the wrong apartment. I'll go to mine. Well, I struggle to do that, but, you know, I, I admit it happens, I guess, and, and obviously I, I'll give that much to her and that it, it, it does yeah. exist. No, that's it. The whole going in and then... yeah. Immediately not realizing it's your apartment. What, what horrifies me, though, is is that this case, I, I don't think it will necessarily be, but if her defense holds up, it could it could potentially be like a, a farewell to our Fourth Amendment rights against uh, unlawful search and seizure. All anyone has to do from now on, if a police officer wants to get inside your apartment, all they have to do is think, is say, is claim... Oh, I thought I was going into mine. Oh, I thought I was going into my friends lawfully. Yeah, no, and, that's true. I didn't even think about that. And I know that that sounds extreme, but like, come on, our government has done a lot worse than than uh, trespass. You know? Oh no, that's there, really true. There's been a lot of horrible things that even local police stations have done. Um, and and I hope that this does not turn into. Uh, a case where our Fourth Amendment rights suffer. Because if you ask me, this is murder. No, yeah. I I, I would even say manslaughter is probably too good, but either way, it's... she deserves to be in jail for a decade or so. I mean, I, there was just... This is not okay. This was not good. No, I... Well, uh, perhaps this actually... Even though it's my worst of the week, it might be on a higher note. I hope so. That one was depressing. We are we are talking again. Last week, I talked. I mentioned Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I talked about uh, him talking about the the privatization of space travel and space exploration, and how he claimed that a private a private company would never send a mission to, to space, would never send a mission to Mars. Um. Which, you know, enter at Elon least Musk. as of late, yeah, enter Elon Musk. We know that that's laughably false, that uh, a private company did do that. Boeing's trying to do it now as well. I mean, it's growing. It's, I mean, it's, it's a race at this point between SpaceX yeah. and Boeing Yes, to get to Mars. And, and now someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson might jump back in there and be like, Sure, they've done it so far, but what will continue it will actually be NASA paying them. Ergo, it's our tax dollars doing it. I still don't necessarily agree with that. But the, the reason why I bring this up is because this past week, um, specifically on uh, the 11th, so what would that be, Tuesday? I don't know. Um, he uh, was interviewed by, by NPR, WB, WBUR in Boston, um, and they were talking about, he has a new book out this week called Accessory to War, in which he talks about how astrophysics and science has been used in tandem with like certain war policy to 
essentially they're taking certain sciences and applying it to war, I guess. I mean, and, and yeah, there's, that's yeah. Some of the greatest advancements in science have been been because of war. Yeah, and I think he makes that point. If I could guess, I don't know this for sure. If I could guess, he probably discourages that kind of connection just because it's Neil deGrasse Tyson we're talking about. But either way, as part of that conversation, uh, he said he reiterated that he believes that space travel to Mars specifically will not be done by a private corporation. And he said, and I quote, so it's really not so it's not really true that Elon Musk is going to send the first astronauts to Mars on his own dime. You could do it as a vanity project. He'd get together with Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and they could just do it and drop a hundred billion dollars to do it, whatever it'll cost but that's not a business model, and they would be criticized by investors for having spent their money that way. Well, that much is true. What I think Neil deGrasse Tyson lacks is the kind of vision that makes Elon Musk as famous and, by extension, as rich and successful as he is. I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson, as we discussed last week, is obviously a very brilliant man, but he's not an entrepreneur. He's not a businessman. No, not at we can we can talk about some of the the issues that Tesla's had and is currently having but either way Elon Musk is a man with a vision and I maybe I put too much confidence in him but I think if anyone can do it he can oh no the thing for sure. is is that there is a way to privatize it there is a way I mean we're talking about space here obviously there's plenty of money in it oh, and yeah. Elon Musk has it has his has this goal in his head, this dream that he's trying to make reality that regular space travel will be accessible to most of humanity. Not even the richest of the rich. I mean, he's trying to make it accessible and if there's someone that can do it... It's probably Elon. I would imagine it would be Elon Musk or someone like him. Oh, no, for sure. And I think think the the thing that Neil deGrasse isn't realizing is, while, you know, going to Mars may not bring a whole lot of profit... Getting into space, getting stuff into space, still a pretty booming business. Like people are launching yeah. satellites and crap into space all the time. You can make tons of money still doing that, especially with their uh, their rockets that that are reusable. Yeah. Oh my goodness, the, the money profits off of that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, imagine that it took a private company to come up with a reusable rocket. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it, awesome. like as we talk about it, it shouldn't be a big deal. No, but like we should have had that. It was. And it took a private company doing it. And it's... Watching them land, it's really cool to watch them land. Yeah. So On a barge in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Just perfectly. So as intelligent as Neil deGrasse Tyson is, I don't... No. I think it's a... He doesn't know what he's talking about with I think it's a similar situation. I think we've hit the the Columbus situation where people are like, why would you do that? Why would you sail out there? Like, there's no point. Well, what's funny is that he talked about that. And he, he used that as evidence to support ah. his point. He said, well, Columbus didn't do that because the East India Trading Company paid him. He did it because the Queen Elizabeth, Queen whoever, Spain. of Spain, Spain, the government of Spain paid him to do it. And that's where he got his money. And it was only after he... Uh, mapped those routes to this new land that the East India Trading Companies and others like it actually stepped in and sought to make a profit. 
Now, that might be true, but this isn't the 1600s anymore. No. You know, this is a different world where it doesn't take the aristocracy of, of a government, of, of, a, of a monarchy, to fund this kind of exploration. I mean, and, and, and this is no secret that there is more wealth. Yes, the 1% has more wealth than ever, but so does everyone else, you know? And it's, it's that kind of wealth, it's the creation of that kind of wealth that allows for this exp- exploration to take place, whether it's public or private. But, but why the private industry does it better is because, is because in their effort to make it a profit, to monetize it, they have a much bigger incentive. No. Because there is winning and there is losing. Oh, and they're going to calculate the risk. And if they think they're going to win, they're going to go for yeah. it. And I think Elon Musk, he obviously understands that, and that's what he's trying oh, to do. No, absolutely. There's, uh, that is the, the big difference between, you know, if the government does it, it's like, well, we're only going to put so much money into it until we think, yeah. you know, it's not going to work anymore. The private industry, as soon as they put you know, that first dollar in, they're in to win. Like, if they're, they're going to recoup their losses at all costs. So if they can get anything out of it, they will. And they're going to do it a lot more efficiently. Oh, much, much better. I mean, in the the 1800s, when they were first putting railroads across the country, every single one that the federal government uh, was funding, for whatever reason, they did it per mile of track. So then the private companies, and I'm not saying this is, you know, at all ethically upstanding, but they started, like, doing zigzags. Because it was about how many miles the track was. It was no longer about how efficient it was. It was no longer about how the little amount of time it took. Suddenly, they were getting more money by creating more track and less efficiency. Meanwhile, if it's a privately funded track, those ones lasted much longer, and they ran much more efficiently than any of the publicly funded ones. What you just described with the zigzagging is the defense industry. Yes. I work for a defense contractor. Yeah. That is defense contracting to a T. Yeah. We'll pay you this much for this. Oh, we're going to take a lot of this, then that way we get a lot of money. Inefficiency is how government contractors make money. That's true. That is how you make money in the defense industry. Inefficiency. And that is that is what's so funny about uh, advocates of public spending. No. Is that no. they don't they don't seem to understand that. Even when it's it's that money is taken by a private company, as long as that money is public, anything and anything, everything can happen to it because it doesn't matter as much at that point. The defense industry is, I think, the best argument for why government should fund as little as possible. That's why everyone, that's why I'm hesitant about the universal health care of the United States government. Is yeah, it's really definitely. funny because people be like, "Oh, the government sucks!" Like, look at this terrible thing. Oh, we want them to run the healthcare industry. Like, yeah, like, I, 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 I agree. Like that, our health industry definitely needs a revamp. Like, we yeah. need like stuff to change. There, there need to be improvements. I don't want the U.S. government doing it because I look at the defense industry and it's absurd. It is absolutely yeah. absurd. If like, go do some research on. Uh, like how the defense industry works for contracting with the U.S. United States government, and like the amount of money wasted. So there, there's literal quotes of like, "Hey, this could be you know efficient. We did this, this, and this," and people going, "Why would we want to do that? We would like make less money." There is incentive to be inefficient. Yeah. That is 
government contracting 101. Yeah. The less efficient you are, the more money you make. Yeah. That is government. And that right there is why this is worst of the week, because everything that stems from it is just horrible. Well, I guess we should call it a week. Let's call it a week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in for episode three. Until next time, I'm Dylan Shoop. I'm Dylan Kiefer. And go and seize the night. Carpe Noctum is a production by Amateurs, hosted by Dylan Shoup and Dylan Kiefer. Quick thanks to bensound.com for our theme music. Join us again next time.